thank you and praise your name for the things that you are doing in lives. And Lord, each testimony given, Lord, the things that you are doing and using us, giving us opportunities to witness, to be your servants. We thank you for your word and what is revealed in it. And Lord, we thank you for your love and your goodness to us each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Frank, let's take our Bibles and go back again to the book of Psalms. Psalm 128. Again, another one of the Song of Degrees. We have looked at several of these. These were uh, primarily smaller psalms or songs that were sung as the uh, uh, Jewish people would travel from wherever they lived in the world back to Jerusalem as they ascended uh, the mountain roads that would take them up from the Jordan Valley. Uh, These were songs that were traditionally sung, and uh, they remind us of things. And so we look at Psalm 128. This is a song of degrees. It is unsigned. We uh, do not know who wrote it, uh, but it simply says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. And so as we look at this little song here, it talks about blessing. And it said, blessed is everyone. And this really is a song, and you have to remember, Jewish poetry is not about uh, the rhyme or, or the pattern of the words uh, as much as it is the rhyme or the pattern of the thoughts. And so the thought that is central to this song is the fear of the Lord. If you'll remember that phrase out of the book of Proverbs, if you're doing your regular Bible reading, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There, there is so many things attached to this thing called the fear of the Lord. And um, the unlike uh, the old Quakers who used to just sit there and think about the Lord until they actually quaked, Versus the shakers who shaked. Uh, I, I, I don't know how you differentiate that, but uh, the idea there is if you're going to fear the Lord, here's how you do it. Look at the second half of the verse. That walketh in his ways. If you truly fear the Lord, it is not just... Uh, simply being afraid of the Lord or, or any of those things. And, and yes, you should fear the Lord. There should be some simple fear. I, I guess the illustration that I fall back on so many times is um, 
is because I remember the electrician that came down and helped us several years ago. Uh, we had some problems. The, the synagogue, I guess, they just didn't believe much in electricity or at least doing it right. And uh, this building, when we bought it, was a scary, I mean, the electrical room was a scary, scary place. And I remember the electrician sitting there having to make some adjustments and doing stuff. And he was literally just shaking as he was doing that because he wanted to make sure that uh, he did not hurt himself or anybody else. And you know what? He did a great job. And what the things he repaired are still working perfectly today. But... If you're not just a little bit fearful getting into a big electrical box, bad things are going to happen to you. Uh, we often, I often joke about that bumper sticker you see every so often, no fear. Uh, I just wish sometimes I had a magic marker. I could go right up next to it and write no brains either. Uh, uh, because if you're not afraid of certain things... But if you're so afraid of something, you don't move. That's not respect. I mean, if we want to make an attachment, that's the story of the pounds. If you remember, the last servant got the one pound. He said, I was afraid of you. I knew you were an austere man, so I did nothing. And God pronounced severe judgment upon that person. He said, you're not even my servant. I'm going to appoint you your place with the unbelievers. God said, listen, if you have fear of me, here's what the psalmist is saying. This is what he's reminding the children of Israel. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. True fear of the Lord is going to cause you to walk according to God's Word. And when you do, you're going to be blessed. If you want the true joy, you want the freedom that everybody talks about, you, you're not going to find it where the world looks for it. You're going to find it by fearing the Lord. And here is the warning. Here is the, the bounce back. In verse 1, we have two ideas that are compared. They are simile. They are the same thing. Fearing the Lord, walking in His ways. Now, we're going to look at the opposite of that. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. This is just a simple statement. You are going to, uh, Paul put it this way in the book of Galatians, you're going to reap what you sow. Um, uh, Paul put it this way in the book of Corinthians, for everyone is going to stand, I'm paraphrasing the course, before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, we are all going to appear. We are all going to be judged. You're going to eat the labor of your hands. Have you ever had, I, I remember when we started on this auditorium. Started opening up this wall over here and we found out the wall was rotten and the floor was rotten underneath. Praise God, the floor beams weren't rotten. But there's just a lot, a lot of problems. 
And I remember saying, boy, I just don't even want this. And then we got over to this side, and boy, I mean, it just looked like a bomb shelter for several weeks. How many of you remember that? And the ceiling, and yeah, Andrew remembers that because he was working on it. And uh, we, we just kept at it, and finally, uh, today is Sarah and Chad's anniversary. It was a week before their wedding. We finally got the last major thing done. The carpet was laid, and, and, and we were finished. I'll tell you, I, I enjoyed finishing that project. Uh, and people kidding me, oh, you put it is finished up there because you finally finished the auditorium after six years. No, no, it is finished because that's what Jesus did. But... The, the truth of the matter is you're going to eat the labor of your hands. Where you invest your life, it's going to come back. That's why we have so many people with midlife crises and trying to figure out things. It says you're going to eat the labor of your hands, but again, we go back and pick up the theme in verse 1. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. When you finally reap the rewards of your life, when it finally comes back, you're going to be glad that it did. If you fear the Lord, if you fear the Lord, you will walk in His ways and you will enjoy the fruits of thy labor. And then he goes on to explain where those blessings are going to be. There's blessings going to be in your family. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children, like olive plants, round about thy table. Behold that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. So, we, you have to remember everything in the nation of Israel was about your family. The property that you owned, the place you lived, that was an inheritance. That went back to the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, when they divided up the land, those inheritance rights. And how many of you remember what God told Jeremiah to do just while he was in the prison uh, before the city of Jerusalem was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar? He sent his... uh, uh, a relative of his to redeem a piece of property in their hometown. And, Je- and Jeremiah was told by the Lord, I want you to take this uh, transaction and put it in a clay jar and seal it for many years because God is going to honor that. He's going to make sure that Israel keeps that land. By the way, who's living there today? Same people. Now, they don't have the genealogical charts that show them their family heritage and all of that, those things were destroyed in 70 A.D. when the Romans came in and wiped out the city. But everything was about your family. You remember the story of Zeliophad? He didn't have sons. He only had daughters. And the daughters came to Joshua And they said, is our father's name going to be wiped out just because our father had no son uh, to inherit property? And God told 
Joshua, the daughters of Zelophehad, have well spoken. You're to give them an inheritance. And by the way, they were the only portion of the tribe of Manasseh that had an inheritance on the uh, west side of the Jordan River. The rest of Manasseh was on uh, the east side. And, 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 and there was just some blessings there. Everything was about your family, your history. You wanted that to be carried on to the next generation. And it says, listen, that's what's going to happen. You know, a, a fruitful vine was always a sign of God's blessings. But olive trees are interesting. Do you know that an olive tree will grow and produce fruit and reach maturity and, and die? And they'll go through and literally chop the tree down and out of that old trunk, a brand new tree will grow up. Olive trees, they're, they're almost unkillable in, in that sense of the word. They, they, it's not a new tree. It's, it's what's left in the heart of the old tree that grows back up and makes brand new again. And God is saying, listen, the psalmist here is saying, your children are going to be like olive plants. There's going to be this perpetuity. God is going to keep the heritage of His people going. And in verse 4 here, He makes this emphatic statement. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. So we're talking about the fear of the Lord. You're going to eat the fruit of your hands. It's going to happen in your home, in your domestic life, in your future. How many times have you heard uh, people say, Our future is our children. That's why we need to destroy their minds in public education. I'm sorry. Uh, but that's part of what's going on today. Uh, and that's part of what they're trying to do is they don't teach American history anymore because they don't like Americans. And we're talking about Americans. I don't get that. But it is happening today. But if you want perpetuity... If you want to go on, you fear the Lord. You teach your children to fear the Lord. Baptist history is an amazing subject. You know, there, there are some gaps in Baptist history that we just cannot fill. And men have a tendency. Uh, what was left over of the Waldensians... Uh, this goes back about 15, maybe 20 years ago. Uh, there was a little group of people still there in southern France who claimed to be the direct descendants, many generations of the Waldensians, the Valdois, that had gone all the way back in time uh, until the actually second and third centuries A.D. And they joined the United Methodists. They said, we're going to cease being our own group and we're just going to join them. But if you read their own documents from the 1100s and the 1200s, the few that we have preserved, they didn't believe like the United Methodists. 
They're Bible-believing Baptists in every sense of the word. There's a heritage there. There's a perpetuity in history. It doesn't always work through, but the responsibility is for the people of God to train that next generation to serve God. I'll tell you what, that's where some blessings are. When you can watch those children, those uh, grow up. And, and I'll tell you what, I just, it's just a, a pleasant thing in our church to watch people who have grown up and now they're getting married and having children and, and producing families and wanting to go out and start churches. We've been around long enough to see just a little bit of that. It's all in the fear of the Lord. That's the key. That is the central thought. In verse 5, the other blessing is, The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Now, Zion was another name for the Temple Mount. You want your worship, you want your relationship with God to be what it ought to be. It starts with the fear of the Lord in your heart and in your life. The fear of the Lord is something that has to be maintained. It does not happen naturally. You can get used to your relationship with God. You can allow it to become common. And by the way, allowing something that is special to become common, the actual biblical word for that is profane, where we get profanity. It's taking things that belong to God and making them common. That is a great sin in the Bible. Read the prophet Malachi. Read read through Jeremiah and Isaiah and many of those places where people took things that were very special to God and made them commonplace. You know, the fear of the Lord is something that we've got to keep ever before our eyes. That's why, by God's grace, we're never going to allow the worldlings to come in and teach us how to do music. Because God's music belongs to Him. We're not going to, by God's grace, just join up with everybody and anybody who uses the name Jesus... Because the fear of the Lord makes me walk in His paths. It doesn't allow me to walk along with anybody else doing anything else. It's one of the reasons I I despise the purpose-driven movement and the purpose-driven books that are out there. is because they do exactly the opposite of what this verse says. If you want the fear of the Lord, He will keep your relationship, your worship, right. God desires to be worshipped. But it must be according to His law and His methods and His way. We accomplish nothing by compromising the Word of God except to offend God. The fear of the Lord keeps us from that offense. And if we'll keep the fear of the Lord before us, we'll be able to see God's blessing. 
And then verse 6, Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. We have many ills in our quote-unquote American society today. You want the solution? It's not a new Supreme Court, new Congress. It's not going to be a president who loves God and serves God. I I don't know of any of them that are running uh, on any ticket that actually qualify for that. Uh, It's... uh, just uh, amazing today. I think the only one that comes even close is Ben Carson, and I'm not sure if he's still in the running or not. I think he dropped out, didn't he? But uh, listen, if you want the answer to society, it's when God's people fear the Lord. If you want to know why we're in such a mess, it's because God's people stopped fearing the Lord. Uh, I mean, I can give you the name of church after church after church that I knew of 20 years ago uh, when I graduated Bible college 30 years ago and, and churches that feared the Lord and preached the truth and now... There's no difference between what goes on in the church and what goes on in the world. I even heard one preacher give this testimony. He said, do you think I like bebopping for Jesus? He was one of those rock and roll for Jesus guys. He says, but it brings a crowd and that's what we're after is people. And so I'm going to get people. And I'm sitting here going, All I, if I wanted to draw a crowd, here's what I'd do. I'd go down to the local liquor store and I'd say, now, tell me what the best beer is. And I'd buy a bunch of it and I'd give it away. I'll tell you what, we'd have a crowd now, wouldn't we? But it wouldn't be church. You see, the fear of the Lord is the answer for every ill in society. We're not trying to build bridges with the world. We're trying to throw a life preserver to drag them out of the current that's going to destroy them. Amen? We're, this is the answer. And God wanted His people to be reminded. Because we will see in the history of Israel, you study the books of the kings and, and the chronicles in First and Second Samuel and Judges, the tendency of God's people is to stop fearing the Lord. And when that happens, sin comes back. Remember the song of Deborah? They cast aside the God of Israel and there were new gods. Then was there the sound of war in the camp. We wonder why God does not protect us from some of the things that have happened. I won't tell you why. It's because we told God to take a hike. Somebody aptly put, why is there so much violence in schools anymore? Uh, You know, it was like one of those things. Dear God, why is there so much violence in schools anymore? And God answered, I'm not allowed there. Things were different. 
Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children in peace upon Israel. That's something we need to be reminded of, my friend. That's one of those psalms. And the fear of the Lord is a personal choice. You can live in the fear of the Lord when you go to work tomorrow. You can live in the fear of the Lord as you serve God in every part of your life. Well, that's Psalm 128. That's one of these psalms of degrees, and they're so short that we're going to do two tonight by God's grace. Looks like we got time. Psalm 129, right next one. This is a very different one, again, unsigned. It says, Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, may Israel now say. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked. Let them all be confounded and turned back that hate Zion. Let them be as the grass upon the housetops which withereth before it groweth up. Wherewith the mower filleth not his hand, nor he that bind the sheaves his bosom, neither do they which go by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Now, you talk about contrast between the psalm we just read and this one. I mean, it's just about as different as different can be, is it not? One is blessing to him that feareth the Lord, and this one is... Many, many times can Israel say that, it's, that Israel has been afflicted. And by the way, I don't know anyone that has lived life that has not had times of sorrow and great suffering. It's, it's part, part of the human existence. And so as we look at this song... And you can study history. You can study how many times in the book of Judges that the children of Israel were oppressed, how many times during the kings as they turned away from him and turned away from God. And the psalmist here does not deal with that part that God was judging them for their sin. What he is dealing with here is the temporary nature of evil. You know, sometimes God uses evil people. You want to know why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh? He knew the prophecies. He knew that God was going to use those Assyrians, and the Assyrians had already been in the land of Israel. He knew that they were coming to judge his people, and he did not want to bless them one little bit. He wanted God to destroy them so they couldn't come. But God had other plans. You see, God loved even the Assyrians who would listen. Amen? And from what we understand, an entire generation 
turn from their wickedness and acknowledge God. Now, it didn't last. It didn't stay long. But God is willing to stop along the highway side of history and pick up anyone who is willing to follow him. He stopped for Rahab the harlot. He stopped for the Assyrians in the day of Jonah, the people who lived in Nineveh. And so we look at this psalm, and this is something that we need to remember. And and God wanted his people to know this. He said, many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, may Israel now say. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. I don't know of any people in the history of mankind that have been persecuted more than the Jewish people. Talking about just being Jews. And you can mark it down. Anyone who stands against God's people, the Jews, has nothing to do with this book called the Bible. Oh, they may carry one. But the anti-Semitic movement, which is growing in this world, it's going to be one of the chief tools in the hands of the Antichrist to prove that he's on the side of the Jewish people. He's going to protect them from this anti-Semitic movement in the world. He's going to keep them. And if you want to know why Israel is so concerned with Iran getting a nuclear weapon, it's because they have vowed time and time again. Do you remember the... The uh, diplomat from Iran, he said, just because we signed this agreement doesn't mean we don't still hate the United States and have pledged to destroy Israel from off the face of the map. I don't know about you, but no person that calls themselves an American, including the president of this country, has a right to sign a document and make an agreement with a man who says he hates our country and hates Israel and wants to destroy it. No one with a lick of common sense would sign such a document. And I'm sorry, that's, this is on tape. It'll go on the Internet. Uh, but here's the thing. They have not prevailed, my friend. The wicked have not prevailed. They are there, they are going to afflict, and we need to be reminded they are not. And this is not a pleasant thing. Look at verse 3. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked. That doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. That doesn't mean that there was not great suffering in the history of Israel. And that there's not great suffering in the lives of people that serve God. But the Lord is righteous. He is not going to allow the wicked to prevail. And then the psalmist gives this plea as he ends this thing up. Let them all be confounded and turn back that hate Zion. Let them be as the grass upon the housetops which withereth before it groweth up. 
Whereas the mower filleth not his hand, nor he that hide bindeth sheaves in his bosom, neither do they which go by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. That was a traditional thing of the Jewish people, or really the people of any culture or group. They've always put a blessing on the harvest, whether they believed in the God of the Bible or not, because that was their livelihood. And, and the psalmist here says, you need to remember something. These unrighteous people, they're like the grass that groweth on the rooftops. You know why grass grew on the rooftops? Because the wind blew dirt up there. And the seeds were blown up there by the wind and it would grow. In fact, uh, where, where was I? Um, Oh, oh, driving down the New Jersey Turnpike, you can see some of those old buildings <laughs> along the turnpike there. And you'll see all kinds of stuff growing right up out of the roof of those old buildings that nobody's been by. And uh, listen, Psalmist says they're only temporary. You need to be reminded about that. God is eternal. And there's nothing wrong with praying for the confounding of those that hate God and hate this book. I just love it. Every once in a while, somebody will make some amazing new discovery. And it just makes the scientists look so foolish. The last one I remember keeping track of is, uh, do you know that we all have Neanderthal DNA included in our human genome? That the Neanderthal was not a separate species of man, but he's now been proven by science to be a man. Uh, a Christian scientist from a different uh, perspective studied the uh, fossilized remains of Neanderthal man. And he says, you know, it's amazingly correspondent to the disease of rickets. And someone who lived in a cave without sunlight and did not eat fruits and vegetables would be very prone to that disease. And it would do all of the things. And the science that, that all those deformities, the thick brows and the thick skull and the warp bones and all of those things that uh, scientists said, oh, it's got to be a different species. It's got to be a subspecies of man that died out and... Now they find out, well, DNA proves that it's not. And maybe Neanderthal wasn't quite as cavemanish and ignorant as we would like to believe that he is. And we're not as smart as we would like to think we are. You see, everything they find put in the proper light and understanding and historical context will agree with what's in the Bible. So what we need to remember out of this psalm, there is suffering in life. There will be times when it looks like the wicked are prevailing. It says they plowed long furrows. Uh, you know, every time I read that verse, I think of our Lord Jesus Christ, how He was beaten. But that's not what it's referring to. It's referring to actually the suffering that Israel suffered. But the Lord is righteous. 
He's going to cut their bands asunder. It's okay to pray that those that hate God be confounded. And we need to remind ourselves that they are only temporary. That no one goes by except for a few crazies. No one goes by the graves of those that have stood against God and said, Oh, what a wonderful man Benito Mussolini was. There's a few nuts out there that still tried to worship Adolf Hitler. But you know what? Even the most liberal, God-hating people alive despise them. There's no blessing there. His Reich that was supposed to last a thousand years? I don't think it made a thousand days. But he sure did a whole lot of evil while he was alive, didn't he? But God broke him. And we can, we can see some evil days ahead of us. But let's remember something. Many a time, many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, may Israel now say. Many time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked. Let them all be confounded and turn back that hate Zion. Let them be as the grass upon the housetops, which withereth afore it groweth up, wherewith the mower filleth not his hand, nor he that bindeth sheaves in his bosom. Neither do they which go by say the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. We need to remember that there is suffering, but it's temporary. We need to remember Psalm 128. The fear of the Lord is the key. That's how we keep our country and our people out of Psalm 129. And so, the, these things were meant not necessarily to be in the exact order they're found, but they were meant to be sung together and contrasted, and the ideas were meant to be thought upon and meditated upon as Israel would return to Jerusalem uh, three times in the year for the feast, to be reminded. The power of Rome, as long as it lasted, was still a temporary thing in the mind of God. And in the history books, the Jews were around a long time, a thousand years before, before Rome took over that part of the world. And two, nearly 2,000 years later, Rome is just a bunch of relics, a bunch of old rotten buildings, and the Jews still live in Jerusalem. I like the Bible. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for these psalms. Lord, we thank You that it's not all just happy, reckless optimism. There is 
uh, a truth, a reality that can be totally zoned in on. And yet, Lord, an understanding that you are sovereign over all. We ask you to give us grace to live for you during these coming weeks. These coming, this coming week. In your name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just keep our heads bowed. And if you need to slip out and spend a few minutes, the altar's open. Then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.